0: Hi guys, uh Russell here. Some of you may notice that uh, uh the times I'm publishing notes or even replying to comments seem a bit odd. And that is true because I'm actually in Australia, which you know is uh 11 hour time difference to London. So I, I am completely operating in a, a different time cycle to how I usually operate. Um so anyway, while I'm in Australia, you know, I've been it's been a good nearly five years since I've been here. I'm trying to see what I can uh, see in changes in the way Australia has uh, operated, and whether I can see evidence or more evidence of the sort of pro labor trade that I'm talking about uh, working or coming coming to to existence. Um, in Australia, the Brazil of cricket, if you like, uh, having won the World Cricket World Cup more times than any other nation. Uh, is a very interesting place. You you really don't have to go back far uh to find Australia has been like the number one short for most macro hedge fund uh, hedge funds. This was as a sort of commodity play. This was as in deteriorating relationships with China. Uh, there are a whole range of reasons to be short uh, Australia. The housing market, of course, also is a, a popular reason to cite to being short Australia. And so, in the macro terms, it's a very interesting country. Um, Also, in more sort of political terms, you know, this reliance on China economically while being reliant on the U.S. for military protection uh, really created a uh, sort of paradox, a political paradox that needs to be resolved. And the reality is that resolution is coming through. Both China and Australia are trying to reduce their economic reliance on each other. uh, And Australia has signed up to a hugely expensive military pack, AUKUS. Uh, where Australia will be supplied with nuclear subs. Um, I personally have my severe doubts about this strategy. Uh, For me, uh, you know, Australia is not really uh, threatened by invasion uh, by China. I mean, if you look at uh, the difficulty of Russia trying to invade Ukraine, and that's a country with a large land border, uh, where they could sort of park their tanks and stuff around the edge before driving over, If you look at where uh, Australia is relative to China, uh, you can see the difficulties that China would face uh, in trying to invade Australia. Uh, There'd be a lot of other countries that would need to be invaded first uh, before you could make an invasion of Australia. And even then, you know, once you got there, so if you land on the West Coast, which is the closest side to China, you then got to drive through uh, uh, a huge expanse of desert before you get to anywhere uh, worthwhile or where the people live. So I, you know, the idea of spending tons of money on nuclear subs to protect against an invasion from China is ridiculous. Uh, and I talk about that in detail in the posts that I've linked to here. You know, it's obviously what there's a different military strategy going on here, but not something that's been discussed by Australian politicians. And I think that is poor. But nevertheless, anyway. Um, so the thing is, uh, you know. You know, Australia for many years seemed like a perfect play, uh, a short play for the crash in Chinese property markets uh, uh, and crash in commodity prices. Uh, and what's been weird is, yeah, we have seen the Chinese commodity mar- market slow, but even but bo- in recent years, but even before that happened, the Aussie dollar really stopped reacting to movements in the commodity prices when previously, uh, really from the 80s until what, 2016, the correlation between commodity prices and the Aussie dollar were very, very high. And I saw this is a slightly old graph, but it shows how uh, the commodity boom in COVID did not translate into a stronger Aussie dollar. And this change in the relationship of the currency and commodity prices can be seen even more clearly in the Australian current account balance. So Australia not only attracts capital, uh, it's a capital-hungry nation, you know, huge land, limited population. So we typically run a current account deficit um, to offset that that capital flow. And what's happened is, so then when commodity prices go up, Aussie dollar goes up because we get more investment, what we have seen is a complete change in that relationship. Australia has been running, more often than not, current account surpluses, and in fact sometimes huge surpluses, I have never really been seen ever, um, so there's a big change, and for me, this is part of the change from a free market uh, a world to a politically driven world, um, and you know it's a it's a good example of that. So for me, also, if we've moved into a political era, it means that there should be seen other changes in Australia as well, um, and given it's like concentrated population into uh, really you know into cities, very urban population. Um, I was thinking we'd probably see some changes in the way a pro-labor economy works uh, than we possibly see elsewhere. So, for example, when last time I was here in 2019, Australia was very expensive, particularly food. I always found this odd as a a huge agricultural exporter. It always seemed to me that Australia should be cheaper, have cheaper food than other places, particularly like the UK, which is a big importer. Um, And, you know, in Australia, like... Uh, almost everywhere else in the world did see a spike in food inflation uh, in the 2020s uh, through COVID. Years, and it's quite a significant spike in inflation. So food prices have risen in Australia, they haven't fallen at all. The reality though, is that if we look at countries like the UK, I think the US is true here as well, is that the food inflation has been much more significant elsewhere. Um, and you can see in the, in the UK, we're looking at nearly 30% jump in food prices from pre-COVID compared to maybe something like 10 to 15 in Australia. What does that mean? Well, you know, it means actually I find Australian food and drink pretty reasonable, reasonable to cheap. Uh, you can see some deals like a, a schooner, which is sort of like a pint or a half pint, uh, you know, for $6.00. Aussie Sometimes you get like, you know, and deals that look very reasonable uh, you know, coffee here can be like four to five Aussie dollars, which translates into like 250, whereas I say the going rate in uh, London now is 350 to four pounds for a coffee. So in general, I find Australia relatively cheap, not that its prices have fallen; it's just that the exchange rate of two to one to the pound makes it cheap. And what I hear from my American friends is US is now crazily expensive. So this would make Australia very cheap uh, relative to US like, uh, US prices. The other thing that's really interesting is unemployment in Australia is super super low, but when I talk to my sort of finance friends, the job market, at the high end or the finance market is relatively slow. It's not easy, particularly easy to get a job or change jobs from what I from what I can gather. Um, and talking to my mates, it seems like there's loads of jobs that sort of more low end blue collar end, uh, delivery if you know if you want to do that. Uh, but you know construction these sort of jobs. Uh, there's loads of demand and, and wages are very strong, and this is entirely in line with some sort of my pro labor view, is that we should be seeing strong demand at the uh, at the sort of you know lower end of the market and weakness at the sort of finance high end of the market. Um, now the thing is that what I think is uh, is the problem in Australia particularly. Uh, if there is a problem is that what we 've seen is the RBA has raised interest rates from zero to four point two five percent so like in line with the rest of the world, raise, raise them very, very quickly, also in line with the rest of the world, we haven't really seen house prices fall, and this is in line with my pro labor view is that as wages are rising, demand's going to be really strong, particularly low end uh, but you, you know you're not going to see the weakness that everyone's assuming uh, or, or recession that everyone's assuming from rapid increases in interest rates. Because even at four percent, they're still below what I think uh, base wage rate inflation is doing in in Australia, um, and so the, the RBA to create you know real deflation is going to need to rate, raise interest rates far above the four point two five, and as I see that the eventual end game for this is wages rise to a level and property prices stay stagnant for for a period to make price to income ratios make more sense. Uh, and if we're not going to see house prices fall, which is not my base case, it means that inflation is going way stronger than than people expect. Um, and so, you know, that is sort of what I'm seeing. Um, and so, when I look at the Aussie bond market uh, pricing a ten-year Australian government bond at four point one per six percent, I'm thinking, well, only a loser would buy at that sort of rate. You know, it's below cash rates. Uh, So implying that the RBA is going to be cutting rates sooner rather than later. Whereas my view is actually the risk is they start raising rates even more aggressively, uh, particularly if commodity deflation, which has been prevalent for last year, disappears. Uh, And finally, just one more sort of general comment on Australia. So historically speaking, and especially when I was younger, you you would have thought of Australia as somewhere between the UK and the US, So, you know, that would be, you know, a good way of understanding Australia, somewhere sort of politically, culturally, in many ways, between that. I don't think that really is correct anymore. In some ways, it might still be true, but the more uh, time I spend in seeing Australia, the more Australia has a sort of Scandinavian feel to me. So it's a vast area, a vast amount of land, but concentrated sea populations, a real emphasis on improving infrastructure, a real emphasis on decent healthcare, uh, and what I'm sort of saying is that the, the the public or the voting public demands reasonable options for the public uh, options of healthcare or transportation or infrastructure, and the government supplies it, uh, and so you get very high quality of living with relatively high taxes. Uh, so it's sort of much more Scandinavian in that way. Um, if anything, if I look at the UK, it's drifted into the US uh, sort of political orbit, which almost, uh, especially for the Tory party, which almost takes like the free provision of anything as socialist uh, and should be uh, banned or, or defunded as much as possible. Uh, and you can see that, uh, you know, you can definitely see that that type of thinking is having a, a deleterious effect on the NHS with huge waiting lists. And I, you know, uh, I can see that changing in the UK. I can see the UK actually moving a bit more towards the Australian side of things. Um, but, you know, that that's, remains to be seen. Um, you know, for me, putting it all together, uh, I think Australia is actually moving in the right direction. Uh, I think for the working man in Australia or a, a tradesperson or a sort of blue-collar worker, Australia means a great place to live uh, and a great place to move to if you can get in. Um And I actually think it's going to get even better. I'm not bearish on the world. I'm actually very bullish on the world. I just think it's going to continue to be tough for bankers. Uh, uh, And I think that's the right policy. Um, You know, I think things will be better for workers and worse for bankers. The reality is no one really cares if bankers do well badly. (laughs) That's just a fundamental truth. Often hard for finance people here because they think they uh, are a net positive for the world, but no one really likes them and no one really cares what they think. Uh, I think that's the way the world's working or moving. And we can certainly see it in Australia. All right. Hope that made sense. Stay, Stay safe and we'll talk again soon. Ciao.